Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit. Bullshit is rampant. Total fucking bullshit. Bullshit just makes no fucking sense. It's just bullshit. Fuck. Bullshit is bullshit. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as proud as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Welcome back to the Bullshit Filter, Anti-Vax 4.6. Yes. Uh, how you doing, Ray? <laughs> Just as excited to be here as you are exposing the bull that is shit. It's hour three for us in our recording <laughs> session. I'm exhausted. <laughs> right. My throat is my sore. Bedtime. Yes. Yeah. Mm. But we will persist because... I want to get into some of the um, allegations. Uh, Claim number five that we're tackling today is all vaccines contain a number of toxic poisons and chemicals that are linked to serious neurological damage, including aluminium, thimerosal, antibiotics, monosodium glutamate, and formaldehyde. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's start this one, I think, by going back to something I said in the previous episode. All right. Governments basically want people to be healthy, working, earning money, paying taxes, driving the economy forwards. So there's no anti Why the fuck? Uh (laughs) Why the fuck would the government deliberately and knowingly try to make people sick? It's a deep game they're playing, my friend. A deep game. I I don't know. If you, like, even as somebody who's fairly lefty, fairly libertarian, uh, fairly sceptical of the motives of right. governments and corporations, you, you know, even I think that gov- our political system in the United States, much more than places like Australia, but even here... Our electoral system is is determined to a large extent by media coverage. The media coverage is de- run to a large extent by corporations. So obviously mm-hmm. it's, it's manipulated to a large extent. Um, but what are corporations interested in? They're interested in making money, Benjamins. making profit. Yeah. To do that, they right. need people to be working and making money for them, and to have people working and making money, they need them to be alive, (laughs) and ideally relatively healthy most of the time. Right. It doesn't even make sense on the surface of it that corporations and governments would want people to be sick. Right. Or dead. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah, I don't... uh, And and the the other part of the... uh, the, the thing that you read on the last episode, other dangerous substances found in vaccines include antifreeze, lead, cadmium, glycerin, and yeast protein. So again, it's just, it's literally one of the craziest, not craziest, it's one of the most out there accusations made so far. Well, look, they aren't necessarily wrong in all of these things, but it's not necessarily a big deal either. It's right. a bit like... <laughs> it's the details. When people say, people say, oh, um, you know, you don't want to use that skincare product because it has chemicals in it. <laughs> Everything's a fucking chemical. <laughs> what are you talking about, you idiot? 
Everything's a chemical. <laughs> Is that how you talk to people? <laughs> no. It's what goes on in my head. In my head, that's what's going on. I go, hmm, really? Well, yeah. you make an interesting point. Let's stop and, and break that down for a second. <laughs> I'm a series what, of chemical reactions. What's your definition? Right. What's your definition of a chemical? <laughs> right. Um, anywho. Um, let, let, let's pick one of these, which is, which is like, I think in our first episode or our second episode, we looked at the, the autism thing and right. the connection, but, but whether or not, um, MMR vaccine caused autism. And we explained that, you know, this doctor, Andrew Wakefield said it did. And then it turned out that his studies were ridiculous and nonsense and that he had vested right. interests and other things. And, yeah. Um, that all got blown to hell in a handbasket. But one <laughs> of the chemicals that they thought was was causing autism was a chemical a chemical called thimerosol or theomerosol, depending mm-hmm. on where you live. It's got different different names, but I'm just going to call it okay. thimerosol. It's a big sure. one that I've read a lot about in anti-vax literature. And one of the principal advocates against it is Robert Kennedy Jr., son Mm. of Bobby Kennedy. Right. Mentioned him in uh, briefly in the last episode. Now, Robert Kennedy Mm -hmm. Jr. is a lawyer. He's an activist. He doesn't believe that Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone shooter of his uncle. Uh, he mm. says that his father was his father, Bobby Kennedy, was fairly convinced that others besides Oswald were involved in his brother's assassination, and privately believed that the Warren Commission report was a quote shoddy piece of craftsmanship. Right, um, and I, well, I tend to lean on that, uh, lean to that uh, side of things as well. But anyway, he's um, mm. he's critical of U.S. foreign policy. Um, all in all, he sounds like a pretty decent human being, Robert Kennedy Jr. He's a licensed master falconer, which is pretty badass, (laughs) I have to say. Um, Yeah, yeah. It's like the ultimate rich white guy hobby. What do you do? (laughs) Oh, I'm a falconer. (laughs) Uh, I am too, but it's a Wii game, so not the same. Should try. Should try and get Tony Kynaston into that after he finishes breeding horses. You know, you should become a falconer. That'd be bad. I wonder if you. I wonder if you. Wonder if you have to wear a cravat when you go falconing, or if that's just an optional extra. I would. I think you should. I think you should. Yeah. He's he's currently married to Cheryl Hines, who played Larry David's wife on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh. Um, his his second wife previous to Cheryl Hines, uh, hung herself after they got divorced in 2010. Damn. So that's sad. It's got nothing to do with any of this. I just thought that was a tragic side note. Anyway, in 2005, Robert Kennedy Jr. wrote an article about Thimerosal, which was published in Rolling Stone and Salon. And it claimed that thimerosal-containing vaccines caused autism. Uh, It also claimed that government health agencies have, quote, colluded with Big Pharma to hide the risks of thimerosal from the public. 
And it blamed mm. Vladimir Putin. No, I'm only kidding about that. Damn right. Um, today they would be saying it was Vladimir Putin who did it. Right. Um, now, the article that he wrote copped a lot of criticism from the scientific community, um, and Rolling Stone and Salon both eventually ended up amending the story with corrections. Salon ended up taking it down altogether in 2011, Damn. but that was six years later, and the damage had been done, a bit like the Andrew Wakefield sure. paper. By the time right. uh, it was taken down, a lot of damage had done, a lot of misinformation had been spread. Robert Kennedy, though, didn't stop there. He actually wrote a book about it. So, yeah. uh, uh, and I think he may have even made a film about it as well. But let's let's um, look at thimerosal and what this was all about. Now, thimerosal is a preservative mm-hmm. that was used in vaccines. I think from like the th- World War One. Uh, it, well, it was developed in World War I and it was used in vaccines, I think, in the 20s and 30s onwards. Right. Uh, but it was removed from vaccines beginning in 1999. And I'll explain why in a minute. But it, it's a preservative. Now, do you know what a preservative does, Ray? Does that help prevent uh, contamination? Maybe stop bacteria from growing? Yeah. Yeah. It makes things last longer. Okay. By preventing oh, the growth of mo- microbes. In right, them. right. <laughs> yeah, preservatives in the Viagra make your dick stay hard longer. No, I don't think that's exactly how we... Yeah, it stops microbes from growing, which which makes them makes the thing you know be effective right. longer. Whether it's a whether it's food or it's or it's a vaccine. Right now. Uh, for mu- much of the 20th century, you needed to use a preservative in multi-dose vials of vaccines mm. for some reason. Okay. Uh, now, thimerosal was developed as an antimicrobial agent shortly after World War One. They soon discovered that uh, it was well tolerated when you injected it into rabbits or rats, even at high doses. Mm didn't cause any negative health effects and it was very good as a preservative Um, was superior to anything else that was available at the time and bacterial contamination was a serious problem Mm -hmm. for vaccines in the first half of the 20th century i mean they're the processes of sterilizing their equipment and all of that kind of stuff when you're making vaccines probably weren't as advanced as they would be today, and so preservatives were a big deal. Right. And thimerosal, in tiny doses, uh, you know, proved to be very effective in preventing contamination of mm. vaccines. Okay. So everyone was happy about it. However, here's the thing. Right. Thimerosal contains mercury. Mm. And as we all know, mercury is very bad for you. Right. Um, by the way, what was the yellow sticky stuff all over your laptop? Are you talking about on the screen or on the actual? No, around the keyboard. Oh, I, I think that's, um, what should I tell him? I think that's pollen. I used to have a cover over the keyboard. Um, you know, one of those things, I don't know, the little plastic thing, whatever, and it had a little sticky stuff on the on the bottom of it. So when I took it off, 
I think some of that stuff stayed on my computer, and so pollen and various other dirt and everything else kind of stuck to it. That is the story that I'm sticking with. It's not semen. I can tell you that. That's what you, that's what you told your that's wife. That's right. I thought it was either semen or <laughs> limoncello that you'd spilled it's a, all It's over a concoction. Over. It's a concoction of the two. <laughs> well, your semen is mostly limoncello, I think, at it this is. stage. Yeah. It really is. Okay. It contains mercury. Mercury is very bad for you. But here's the thing. Mercury isn't mercury. There are different kinds of mercury. So methyl mercury is the one that's bad for you. Thimerosal contains ethyl mercury. So methyl mercury, bad. (laughs) Ethyl mercury, not so bad. Okay. Right. It's a different form of mercury. And there have been studies done on this uh, in the UK, referenced by the World Health Organization, on the pharmacokinetics of ethyl mercury versus methyl mercury. Mm-hmm. Now, pharm- pharmacokinetics is the way that drugs move around the body, what they do inside your body once they're inside right. there. They're very different. Now, here's one example. The half-life of ethyl mercury which is the one that's in thimerosal, mm-hmm. is less than one week. Wow. The half-life of methyl mercury is one and a half months. So it takes a lot longer to break down in your system, the bad kind of mercury, than the right. ethyl mercury. So exposure so to ethyl mercury in the blood is relatively brief. So what you're saying is that by the above accusation of the anti-vaxxers, one, they leave out that it's the slightly less harmful mercury that's going that was being used in um, vaccines, and two, um, they were just leaving out the fact well, that it was the less harmful mercury. Well, it's it's uh, un- unharmful, not harmful. Let's just go with not harmful. It's no. not harmful. Thimerosal, as far as we know. As far as we know, it is not harmful if it's given to you in recommended doses. Like anything, you drink enough water and it will kill you. So in in the recommended doses, thimerosal, the the kind of mercury that's in thimerosal Mm. is not bad for you. Which gets left out of the Um, accusation. It's excreted via the... They just see the word mercury. Yeah. They just go, oh, my God, mercury. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, yeah. mercury. Now, ethyl mercury, again, the not harmful mercury, is excreted via the gut, whereas methyl mercury, the mm-hmm. bad kind, accumulates in the uh. body. So there's a fairly robust body of peer reviewed scientific studies conducted all around the world that support the safety of thimerosal inside of vaccines. Mm. Now, look. That said, the FDA also told us that fat was bad for us and sugar was good for us. So I don't necessarily accept holus bolus anything that the authorities (laughs) say regarding this stuff. And I did – so I did go looking for studies that could show that uh, this thimerosal was actually bad. And I did read a study Mm – that that, that one of the anti-vax sites had linked to that said that thimerosal was injected into mice and they showed signs of depression afterwards. They Mm. didn't want to get out of their tiny little 
mouse beds. They just watch right. mouse reality TV all day, listen to Radiohead, <laughs> probably voted for Trump. Right. Yeah. But these mice were getting 20 times the amount of thimerosal recommended for humans. Ah, another detail. Yeah, another detail. So, but you have to actually read the fucking study to get to that point of detail. Um, this, this is a quote from the study. Our results indicate that higher dose of neonatal thimerosal mercury, 20 times higher than that used in humans, is capable mm. of inducing long-lasting substantial dysregulation of neurodevelopment, synaptic function, and endocrine system, which could be the causal involvements of autistic-like behavior in mice. Right. So if you just read the last part of that or quoted it in your, you know, uh, uh, anti-vax website, mm-hmm. you would say that it was found in studies of mice that thimerosal could cause autistic-like behavior. The bit they're leaving out is the 20 times higher dosage that it took to cause that. Another study concluded, considered together, the present results do not indicate pervasive developmental neurotoxicity following vaccine-level thimerosal injections in mice Mm. and provide little, if any, support for the hypothesis that thimerosal exposure contributes to the etiology of the neurodevelopmental disorders. In other words, if you gave the mice normal doses, no problems. Right. Let me just... let me, But... But I just have to play Captain Obvious for a second. If I'm an anti-vaxxer and I have a website and I'm pulling all these different studies, proving my point and writing articles, and I get to that particular study that you just mentioned that you just referenced and I cherry pick certain sentences, not paragraphs or phrases, but sentences to prove my point, to make it look as bad, as deadly, as dangerous, as harmful as it can possibly get. And I know that I'm lying. I mean, does it matter? Why, why am I doing this? If I'm, if I'm literally having to lie to prove my point at the end of the day, do I just care about, winning the argument? Am I really doing what is best for everybody? Or do I feel that I have to fight these corporations, Big Pharma, any way I can, even if that includes lying? And I know all that probably sounds elementary, but again, if you have it, if, if you if you're if you're a politician and you're running for office, everybody knows you're lying. You tell everybody what they want to hear, so you can get elected and you and you get all the perks of, of being in office. I get that, but if you're an anti-vaxer and you have to lie to prove your point, at the end of the day, what are you doing and why are you doing it? What truly is your motivation? That just well, kind of okay, came out I of think nowhere, um, so. yeah. Yeah, I know it's it's a complicated issue. Like, so I, I I'm guessing that the v- majority of anti-vaxxers who, mm-hmm. let's say, quote that the last part of that sentence from that study, right? Don't read the study. They just see that quote oh. in a book or on a website, right. in a Facebook post, and they pick it up and they copy it and they paste it and they run with it. Okay. This gets back to what I was talking about in the early episodes about epistemology and heuristics. Mm -hmm. Where do you get 
your information from and, and what level of work are you prepared to do before you believe something and certainly before you quote something as being evidence to support a belief? Do you try and track down mm. the original report? Or do you just go, well, it's quoted in this book, it must be true? All right. Um, how far do you go? How much effort do you put in to try to bullshit check, bullshit filter the information that you're using to make your own decisions? Now, somewhere mm-hmm. along that chain, somebody read that sentence in the report and deliberately or accidentally uh, just chose the second part of the sentence, I guess, and ignored the first part of the sentence or downplayed right. the first part of the sentence. And their agenda might be malicious or, or it might just be uh, confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. You know, with one of the ways that confirmation bias works is you can hear things and read things and don't process them. Legitimately don't process them in your brain because they just run counter to what you're trying to accomplish, the the idea. like, the, And I'll give you – okay, so I'll give you another example. So yeah. okay, the week that we're recording this is the week that um, yesterday the Attorney General of the United States, Barr, mm-hmm. William Barr, testified in front of Congress about how he handled the Mueller report. <clears throat> and the letter that Mueller sent him after Barr issued his four-page memo was released – and then there was it was leaked that uh, they the content of a telephone call that the two of them had after they got his letter, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so if you recall when we talked about this on the bullshit filter, um, I don't know a month or so ago, probably a couple of months by people by the time people listen to this, but um, when Barr issued the four page memo and he said, look, it basically says. No grounds for charges on collusion, no grounds for charges on um, obstruction. Obstruction. People went fucking batshit and said, basically said Barr was lying uh, or spinning, show us the report, call him all manner of names. Then the report came out, we got to see the conclusions for ourselves and the conclusions basically accurately reflected his memo or vice versa. Um, It did say there were lots of things that could have possibly been conspiracy to collude there could have been things that were conspiracy to obstruct but they didn't really pan out as conspiracy or obstruction in the end so at least from Mueller's perspective and what he felt Mm -hmm. was within his mandate and where federal law is regarding the department of justice their ability to charge the president with a crime he he wasn't going to press any charges for either of those so what Barr wrote was right so what came out in this letter and the subsequent phone call that they had is that Barr, and this was quoted in the Washington Post, Barr said to Mueller in the phone call, did you feel that my memo was not accurate? And mm. Mueller apparently said, no, it wasn't about that. He just felt that the way it was being represented in the media didn't fully represent the context and the, the tone and the Nuanced. nature of the full report. Right. The nuance, right. Yeah. So basically, the way I read all of this is that Barr issued his four-page memo. By the way, he says he gave Mueller the opportunity to review the memo. Mueller chose not to review the memo before it went out, so he put it out. Then Mueller sent him a letter saying, uh, look, the memo didn't accurately, doesn't uh, 
provide the context of the report, basically issue the report or the executive summary of the report as quickly as possible so people have as much information as possible, Mm -hmm. Um, which Barr obviously then did. They issued a redacted version a couple of weeks later. So Mueller was basically saying, look, just issue the report as as soon as possible, okay? Um, Now, when I was talking, people on Facebook yesterday going, he lied, Barr lied. He lied. See, there's proof he lied. I'm going, hold on. Mueller himself said, Mueller himself said that the memo was not inaccurate. Right. It was accurate. It's not, how can you say it's a lie? And then they're spinning off on all this other bullshit. I'm going, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Like, fucking read the story. It says not inaccurate. They don't. Okay, he's yeah. saying, it, like, no, no one in their right mind thinks a four-page memo is going to accurately uh, contain all of the context and nuance of a 500-page fucking report. Right. But it's like if I read a fi- if, if you read a 500-page book on Julius Caesar and then you try and condense <laughs> it down to a four-page essay. Pirates. You can Um, stick to the facts, but it's not going to contain the context and the fucking (laughs) nuance of the entire... Which is why we do 100-hour-long series is because we want to do all the context and the nuance, right? We we think that's important. Um, Anyway, but people just couldn't... I had to say this like 10 times to people yesterday... They're going, Bar lied. And it, it fucking says in Mueller's own words that it was accurate. <laughs> How can you keep... But they just they completely... Do, they don't want to believe it. Don't. I think they can't... Right. I just don't think they can fucking read it because they're, they're in their minds, they're convinced he lied. Yeah. It doesn't matter what Mueller said. They're convinced. It doesn't Truth. matter what's written on the fucking page. They, their brains cannot they process it. it to be... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They want to believe he lied so badly it doesn't even matter if Mueller comes out and says he did not fucking lie. They go, yep, there you go, he lied. It's like that Monty <laughs> Python scene. Whatever you do, don't let him leave this room. Right, we'll let him leave the room. That's exa- It's like talking to fucking brain-damaged people. Maybe they had 20 times the thimerosal dose that they should have had with these people. I don't know. God. Oh, <sighs> Fucking does me oh, in. Yeah. Anywho, where, do, where was I? Okay. <laughs> you were asking why to, okay, how do they spin this stuff? I think maybe they do, maybe some of them do read it and they just can't, their brains just can't fucking handle right. it. They just can't process the information. Gotcha. Now, anyway, thimerosal was removed from most vaccines anyway mm-hmm. in 1999, partly because of what they call theoretical risk. In other words, science at the time hadn't found any risk, but they were like, listen, we'll just remove it just to shut you all right. up. But, okay, so you, you just take the fucking vaccine and shut so up. So my, my follow-up question to that is, and I don't expect you to have the answer to this, but these, these 10 main complaints that we've seen on a lot of different anti-vaxxer websites, I wonder how old this is if mercury is no longer being used or again, are they just counting on people not knowing or reading that far into it and they can keep it as one of their attacks against vaccines that they're dangerous. Yeah. I think it's partly both. Mm. Okay. Um, They did put it in vaccines and it was dangerous, even though it wasn't. So keep in mind the timeline here. So Andrew Wakefield's thing in the Lancet came out in 98. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it wasn't fully debunked until 2004. Right. He wasn't fully debunked. Right. Even though the world scientists at the time said, uh, no, that's bullshit. We're not buying into that. But it created a lot of furor. And the year later, they removed thimerosal from most vaccines. Yeah, sure. Partly because of the, potent, you know, the, the theoretical risk, partly because they also were developing new single-dose vaccines that didn't require preservatives oh, at the time. Gotcha. Good for them. Now, all vaccines recommended for children under six years of age and in the US and in most of the world now, I think, in clay, uh, in, sorry, are available in formulations that do not contain thimerosal. Mm. Only some flu vaccines still contain it. It's a multi-dose flu vaccine, right. um, uh, which are voluntary, and it has thimerosal in small Dosages in Australia, for example, thimerosal—it's called theomerus, the, theomersol here for some fucking reason—has been removed from all routine childhood vaccinations since 2000. The exception is one type of hepatitis B vaccine. It has a greatly reduced amount of thimerosal. Even b- before 2000, though, the level of thimerosal kids got was well below the World Health Organization's limit for methyl mercury, wow, the bad right. kind. So ethyl mercury in thimerosal, not dangerous, but the level of that that they were getting was even well below the limits of the bad kind of mercury that you can get and still be safe. So it's not an issue. So fucking issue. the... Yeah, look, the... Yeah. Now, the safety concerns about thimerosal were first raised in the 70s when people started to become concerned about the, the levels of, of the neurotoxicity of mercury, uh, the, the bad kind of mm-hmm. mercury. But uh, as I said, the, the, the dose of mercury in vaccines was orders of magnitude below the levels that showed any clinical right. effect. No safety concerns were raised with the Marisol and vaccines until the late 1990s when the Wakefield thing blew mm. up. Um, by the way, the MMR vaccine uh, never contained thimerosal, I believe, ah, but another right. vaccine did. Um, <clears throat> anyway, the, the core of the anti-vaccine claim was that thimerosal uh, had like the cum- cumulative dose of thimerosal over the years increased the incidence of autism. Never scientifically validated. Um, you know, there was some correlation, but it was weak evidence for causation, and even the correlation itself didn't really hold up. Right. So, but despite all of that, the CDC decided, out of an abundance of caution, they said to remove thimerosal. Now, the good thing about this is it provides an opportunity for a mega experiment. Mm. If thimerosal was increasing the, the, the rates of autism diagnoses, mm-hmm. then decreasing the, the amount of thimerosal that you were getting should cause the incidence of autism diagnosis to fall. Right. You follow? I you do. following me? So far, so good. Yeah. Right. So we can have a look at that and see if autism diagnoses have dropped since the Marisol was pulled out of vaccines, and of course they haven't. Ah. 
So they're, they're like, oh, the rising rate of autism is because of more thimerosal. So they pulled thimerosal out. What happened to autism rates? Stayed the same. Didn't drop. Yeah. Now, the anti-vaxxers will say, well, that's because thimerosal wasn't really removed in the early 2000s. There were still some vaccines that contained it. Um, and apparently some doctors were holding on to their thimerosal, thimerosal vaccines until the very bitter end. Um, mm-hmm. But vaccine manufacturers stopped making vaccines with thimerosal, and those vaccines that still had it only had a two-year shelf life. So the very latest you could have been getting these vaccines were by 2004, mm-hmm. except for the ones I mentioned earlier, like um, for the flu. hepatitis right. B, which has very, very low rates. Um, and even after 2004, autism rates continued to rise in kids that weren't getting right. that thimerosal-containing vaccine. I should point out, though, uh, when we're talking about autism, that the evidence suggests that the increasing rate of autism diagnoses mm-hmm. that we've been seeing in the last few decades probably has a lot to do with expanding diagnosis and better surveillance. Remember I talked about whooping cough in the late 70s and how there was this big outbreak of whooping cough diagnosis and some of it was because people weren't getting their pertussis vaccinations, but some of it was probably because people were looking out for it. They were paranoid. They were looking out for signs of whooping cough more than they would have had in years gone by because there was a lot of media attention about it. Probably the same is happening with with autism, sorry. A lot of media attention, a lot of doctors looking for it, maybe harder than they would have 20, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Better better testing, earlier testing of kids that are younger. And it may suggest that there isn't any real increase in autism itself. It could just be that we are diagnosing it in more people and we're diagnosing it younger than we would have before. There seems to be evidence that autism is about 1% Mm -hmm. in all age groups. Yeah. Now, if, if autism rates were really increasing, we would expect the rates of it to be lower in older people than it is in younger people. Hmm. You follow me? No. Say that again. Or say it differently. If rates of autism are actually increasing, as anti-vaxxers claim, you would expect the rates of it in younger people to be higher than the rates of it in older people. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. But that's not how it plays out. Apparently, it's about 1% across all age groups. Hmm. Okay. So um, some interesting science that I did see suggests that autism may be detectable at two months of age, wow. well before kids get any vaccines, and maybe even in the womb. Right. So it may suggest that it's a genetic thing or something that happens you know, in, as early yeah. as in the womb, well before vaccinations are involved. Yeah, I hope science allows us one day to be able to detect it earlier. But as you were saying a minute ago, for people who absolutely want to believe this, it's not going to change their argument. And they're going to hold on to this, you know, um, thermosol uh, 
has may cause uh, autism. And as long as people don't do research or listen to the show or do whatever, they will think that there's a decent chance that that's true. Again, just the American public is, or I guess everybody to a degree is just lazy and they're just going to believe whatever the first thing they come across on whatever website. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're they're taking a little bit of information and uh, running with it way more than they should. Yeah. All right, well, that's all I've got on uh, Thimerosal, and we're using that as an example for this uh, claim that, oh, it contains things like Thimerosal that are bad for you. Um, I'm sure the rest of the things, if you break it down, you'll find that it's really... A storm in a teacup. These things don't hold up. And again, the, the basic thing to understand is corporations and governments want people to be healthy so they can work and make money and pay taxes and drive the economy forwards. It doesn't make sense that they're logically going to be making you sick. Right. Now, maybe you can try and make an argument that they're making you sick by accident because, you know, there have been instances Obviously, like thalidomide is the big one where decades ago thalidomide was in, I think it was a form of birth control, and then it ended up having negative cons. Was it, it was birth, was it birth control thalidomide was in? I'm not sure. Morning sickness. Mm. Yeah. It was used uh, for morning sickness for women and ended up causing a lot of problems. Uh, with uh, their their babies, they would take it when they were pregnant, and uh, the kids would get had all sorts of damage, birth defects. Right, um, you know. So, but but again, when we get evidence for this stuff, these things do happen. Again, science isn't a hundred percent effective. I would scientists fuck yeah. up um, usually for good reasons. You know, they they there are side effects of things that we don't pick up for a long right. time. But when we do pick it up, when there is scientific evidence for the side effects, they get on it. Yeah. They get on it and they, they fix it because generally the science, corporations, governments want people to be healthy yeah. so they can work. That's the basic thing to understand. If I, if I could just add one more um, chemical uh, that was a part of that accusation is formaldehyde. And I got this from the CDC. I thought this was interesting because, again, you hear formaldehyde. The average person has no idea what it is, but they know it sounds bad and they should be afraid of it. So so a lot of these um, supposed uh, vaccines have formaldehyde in it. So the CDC says that formaldehyde is used to inactivate bacterial products for toxoid vaccines. These are vaccines that are used to inactive uh, used as an inactive bacterial toxin to produce immunity. It is also used to kill unwanted viruses and bacteria that might contaminate the vaccine during production. However, most formaldehyde is removed from the vaccine before it is packaged. And so, like with what you were saying with the other chemical, what little bit is left in there, there is so far below any kind of standards of what might be harmful to people. But again, all that gets left out, they're just told formaldehyde is in some of the vaccines. And people, I guess the the anti-vaxxers let people's imagination do the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, it's got a chemical in it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Done with well, that's all, I, that's all I've got for this particular claim. Yeah. So, again, um, on the basis of all of that, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to 
give this a nice five on the bullshit meter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so so far we've done five out of the ten claims. Mm-hmm. They've all got five out of fives on the bullshit meter. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we need to continue doing any more. Let me let me run through the rest of the claims here. Claim number six, every study comparing unvaccinated to vaccinated children demonstrates that unvaccinated children enjoy far superior health. Mm. Claim number seven, vaccines cause a host of chronic, incurable and life-threatening diseases, including autism, asthma, ADHD, autoimmune disorders, Guillain-Barre syndrome, food allergies and brain damage. That one's obviously bullshit. Um, Number eight, the only way to create true lifelong immunity to a disease is through natural exposure to the disease in which the body creates true antibodies. If you live. Oh, your true antibodies (laughs) and immunity on many levels. Right. I can already tell that one's just nonsense. Number nine, vaccines kill infants, children, and adults. Mm. Yeah, maybe they do one in a million, but again, we know that it's the it's the net risk, the net benefit that we're looking yeah. at. N- number ten: If you or a loved one suffers from a vaccine injury, pharmaceutical companies and physicians hold no medical liability. In 1986, the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act was formed, eliminating the ability to directly sue pharmaceutical companies or health risk practitioners responsible for vaccine injuries. That's the thing I mentioned on an earlier episode. Right. It's- you know, the Reagan administration said, yeah, okay, look, we need to we need to acknowledge that there is a small risk. We need to make sure that people have an avenue to get uh, compensation right. if that happens, but we're not going to allow that to run rampant and make it uh, so non-profitable for pharmaceutical companies that they get out of the pharmaceutical business. But again, that, that one's skewed. It sounds like there's you have no recourse if something happens to you. They kind of leave out that, yes, there is a special course set up, and yes, it may be cumbersome, and yes, you're going to have to you fill out forms and do all that kind of stuff, but there is a way to pursue getting money out of the government, not out of the companies, but out of the government, so maybe you can take care of your child who now has seizures or whatever, but the point is they leave a lot of that out, and they make it sound like the government is in collusion with them, they don't care, and they're heartless, and there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it if something bad happens to you. Again, they're skewing your perception on purpose. It would seem so, yeah. Well, who's behind it all? Let's wrap up. I'm not going to go through the rest of the claims because we've got five out of five bullshit for the first five. Um, There's no point even doing the other five, quite frankly. Even if they get one right, they're still failing. Right. Uh, They get a fail mark on all of this. Um, Let's... Let's talk about who's behind it and what's behind it, just to wrap mm-hmm. up, Ray. Uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts on who's behind all well, of this? Let me, before we go into that, let me just ask you, were you, on a scale from 1 to 10, how serious were you, or were you just joking when you said the anti-vaxxers could easily be in league with Big Pharma? Because you're right, I mean, with your conservative estimates that you were using, they could easily double their money if people aren't vaccinated and they have to go to the hospital to hopefully survive, but either way, even if they don't survive, the the uh, big pharma is going to make even more money. So were you just joking or were you just um, making connections? 
in your head. Yeah, I was I was completely okay. joking, and I tell you mm-hmm. why. The people that work in big pharmaceutical companies are people that can get sick. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. The people who work in governments are people who can get sick. These people don't want to get sick. Yeah. They don't want their children to get sick and die. <laughs> okay, some of them might be insane in the membrane, but <laughs> and some might be psychopaths, but the vast majority of them are going to do what's in their own best personal self-interest and the, and the interest of their children, their families. Right. They're not going to say, well, fuck it, let's not, let's not make vaccines anymore so people will get sick because they will get right. sick. Their children will get sick. Someone's going to die. Let me, let me, give, you, yeah. let me give you two my two best answers, one semi-serious and, and one is serious. Uh, the semi-serious is that um, if... If America has an enemy, and I'm not even going to mention Putin's name, but if there was someone who wanted to help sow um, discord in our country, I could easily see them funding these people or developing their own websites or or constantly advertising this kind of stuff. So is something like that possible? Yeah, it's possible, but I, I doubt it. I think it comes back to something you mentioned earlier, because I've seen the, um, numerous specific examples of this, especially when the Trump administration came in. I think that, and I'm just going to use America because I can't claim to speak for other countries that I don't know very well, but in this country, because we have the the memory of, of anything more than two minutes is ancient history to us, we don't remember measles and smallpox and all the other um, things that would ravage this country and ravage other countries as well. When, Like you said, um, before the measles uh, vaccine, Almost every person got measles to some degree, you know, how bad it affected them before the age of 15. I think we have truly forgotten how bad it was. And it's almost like vaccines are victim of their own success. It's like when Bush, when uh, Trump came in, he weakened the EPA and he was like lowering standards for clean water. Everybody was saying that who, who knew something about this, everybody was saying that all, all of the things that we cleaned up, because if you go back to the 70s, there was smog in L.A. You couldn't see anything. The drinking water, things have been proved a lot over the last four or five decades. And it's like people literally don't remember how bad things were. And they assume that things will either stay as good as they are or get better. Well, the reason things are as good as they are in certain aspects of our life is because there's fucking laws on the books and there's punishments and there's people that are out there to maintain those laws, catch people and punish them if they try to, you know, to contaminate water or or landfills and things like that. I just literally think people can't remember a time when it was bad and they just assume it's going to stay that way and and, and that allows them to have these crazy theories or for fight fight for these crazy theories or they hear Jenny McCarthy and they're trying to, you know, that kind of personal experience. I think they truly think that none of that stuff will come back if we get rid or if we reduce vaccinations. Yeah, that's the best. That's the uh, this. And I can't I can't make it make sense. That's the best explanation I can come up with because the entire thing is fucking insane. And like you said, it's a broadsword medicines. It's very complex. How do you come up with a medicine that's going to take care of 330 million people? They're going to be anomalies. They're going to be people that get sick. They're going to be people that die. There's going to be people that have seizures. And I'm sorry. And, and I just, 
I'm thankful that it didn't happen to my children. It didn't happen to Heather. But the point is, that's so insane. That's the best argument that I could possibly come up with. Yeah. Look, I, I, I you, we're never going to find a, a single cause for how something like this spreads um, because obviously no one's going to take credit for it. And of course, Andy Vack's sentiment has been around, as we've seen, for centuries. Mm -hmm. But I think we can learn a few things from looking at the history of it. I talked about these fringe quack doctors Mm -hmm. in the late mid to late 19th century that were leading the anti-vax movement. They all had something to sell. Yes. They were selling water cures, alternative therapies. You don't need to take all these medicines. Just come and sit in a hot bath for a while. You'll be fine. Right. Um, and I'm, I would guess that one of the groups of people that are pushing the anti-vaccination narrative are people who have alternative medicine products to sell. Mm-hmm. They're selling homeopathic remedies. They're selling um, any sort of alternative pseudoscientific products, um, crystal healing, right. uh, <laughs> fucking things to remove the fucking ions. Yeah. Oh out yeah. Of, the, out of yeah. the air. Yeah. 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 Um, I always love I love people that buy those things. They go, oh, what's that? Oh, that it removes ions. Oh yeah, what's an ion? It's bad, man. Uh, I don't know, but yeah. it's bad. I'm, I'm doing you a favor, buddy. I'm doing you a favor. Yeah. Explain to me again what an ion is and why it's bad. Yeah. Oh well, you know, it's what are the little bad? What are the little ch- not charcoal, but something like coal or charcoal that it's in a bag and you put it on your feet and it's supposed to draw out the toxins from your skin or shit that's inside your body. There's just some crazy shit out there. Anyway, I didn't mean I to interrupt know. you. I love the people who sell these products. You go, well, you can't take medicines. You know, there's not enough science behind it. Oh, okay. Um, so you're selling me what? Show me the science behind what you're selling me. Oh, well, we don't believe in science. Yeah. No, we, we don't believe in science. Science is nonsense. Just take this. It's good. Believe in it. My neighbor, my neighbor said it was good, and that's enough for me. <laughs> Uh, so, look, I think those people have a vested interest. It's qui bono, right? Right. Um, who, who, who stands to profit from the anti-vax moment? Well, the obvious one is people that are selling alternative therapies and medicines, and that's a big industry mm-hmm. in and of itself around the world. Sure. A lot of people selling crazy quack shit, whether it's in the form of products or books or speaking tours or weekend seminars <laughs> or, you know... Podcasts, probably <laughs> YouTube channels, right? So there's those people, um, and then there are people that, and I have to assume, like a Robert Kennedy is in this camp. People who genuinely believe mm-hmm. that they have the right information, that they're on the right track here, right? And I can only after, like, I've spent hours on this like i haven't spent years researching this honestly but out of the hours that i've spent i have to conclude that these claims that we've looked at are so flaky right that these people that believe this stuff just their their epistemology is deeply flawed 
the way that they come to conclusions about what is true and where they get their knowledge from mm. is so um, badly engineered right. that they are just taking what is quite literally fake news and fake information and accepting it as fact. Mm-hmm. And why are they doing that? Well, you know, it probably comes down to confirmation bias. For some reason, they believe that uh, governments and corporations are out to get them. Now, I, you know, and this, this gets back to scepticism versus conspiracy theory stuff that we've talked about, I think, in the first episode. It is good to be sceptic. It is healthy to be sceptical. I totally endorse right. scepticism. But you have to – you can't just be sceptical. You have to back it up with having a fact-based worldview, a fact-based mindset. And that doesn't mean pulling half a sentence out of a scientific report <laughs> that you see on a blog and going, see, there you go. Right. That's confirmation bias. The, it's about having the right mindset, I think. It's, it's not about uh, finding facts that support your argument. It's about – getting as close to the objective truth as you possibly can with the uh, intelligence that you have and the amount of time uh, that you have to invest in researching it. Mm -hmm. But but genuinely trying to get close to objective truth. But then I think there's this other thing. There's this mindset that people fall into that uh, it's kind of an anti-science mindset. Mm. That they tend to have, like being skeptical of corporations, being skeptical of governments is well and good. But being skeptical of science in general is a different level of crazy. Like, because they, they don't understand how science works, I think is the fundamental problem. Right. Because... Okay, let's say uh, uh, scientists come up with a morning sickness drug and it contains thalidomide and then that has devastating consequences down the track. They go, see, science doesn't work. Science doesn't know anything. Rather than having this view that that the scientific process is flawed. We, We are human beings that are trying to do our best with the small amount of information available to us Mm -hmm to make progress. And yes, there are times when we fuck it up for a whole variety of reasons. The model's bad, the humans make a mistake, the humans are greedy, the humans are corrupt, uh, the the technology wasn't good enough, um, you know, lots and lots of things that can go wrong. But it's the best thing that we have for getting as close to the truth as much of the time as possible. Right, right. Right. Yeah. We make mistakes, we learn from them, we move on. So I think that's the fundamental. We have this anti-science culture that has been developing, uh, in particular in the last hundred, no, I'd say since the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that has been driven deliberately by big corporations. Uh, and we, we know this, this is not just a theory. This is fact because I have copies of their uh, memos on this uh, 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 to try and turn people away from science. So, oh. for example, 
when they when Big Tobacco was trying to fight the uh, the 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 cases against cigarettes mm-hmm. in the 60s, 70s and 80s. They were deliberately crafting misinformation to cast doubt on science. Right. The science that said cigarettes are bad for you. They deliberately crafted um, memes to put out there to cast aspersions and doubt on the science. Same thing happened with big oil. Yeah. Uh, when scientists were saying oil, carbon, uh, fossil fuels was destroying the environment, causing climate to change, uh, the fossil fuel industry hired literally the same PR people that big tobacco God. used to do the same sort of disinformation campaigns. And one of the main tools that they used was to cast doubt upon science and the scientists doing that science Mm -hmm. and to suggest that they were corrupt or wrong or stupid and to pay, to find and then pay fringe scientists who would take the money and publish an alternative report just to throw mud in the water. Right. Have something to quote. You can always yeah. You can always find some scientists who'll do I'll that. Who'll take the money. Fucking a. I'll you do can it. find you can find corrupt politicians, corrupt priests, corrupt journalists, and corrupt policemen, and corrupt scientists, corruptible scientists we're as human. well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So they do a good job at finding those people and paying them to write uh, disinformation. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. As a result of these activities in the last 50 years, we have a, we, we have a society that where certain people have a general mistrust mm-hmm. of the scientific method and the scientific community. Add to that, particularly in countries like the United States, where people are taught their entire lives that faith is equal to, if not superior than, reason, logic, a fact-based worldview. Right. And you have people that don't understand reason and logic and fact and science and have been taught that it's inherently dangerous and inherently spurious uh, to, to listen to people that are quoting facts and data and science. Yeah. And so you, they end up with this mindset that, well, I can just believe what I want to believe and that's fine because I believe it. I don't care what your facts are or your science is and I don't believe in science anyway. Yeah. And I'm not talking – these people aren't necessarily all like Christians or religious. A lot of these people are in the um, woo-woo community. You know, they believe in – Crystal healing and and mm-hmm. fucking homeopathics horoscopes. And, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> crazy shit. Right, that gives them some feeling of community and identity, and they poo-poo science uh, because uh, you know they they like to think of themselves as being alternative and a little bit hippies and in touch cool. exactly. with nature exactly. and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. 
But see, my thing is... So, look, I think there's a lot of things play into it. Yeah, by the time we figure this out, it, you know, by the time the vast majority of people who think differently like that figure out, it's going to be too late because the environment's going to be fucked. And without the environment, nothing else matters. So that's, that's why I get frustrated and scared all at the same time. So, as I said at the very beginning of this uh, mini-series, look, I think this is just one example. The anti-vax thing is just one example of how we all need to work harder on uh, epistemology and heuristics. Mm -hmm. We all need to think about, again, epistemology is, is how do we know what we know? What, where do we get our knowledge from? How do we evaluate the accuracy of the knowledge of the, the ideas that we have? How do we know that our ideas are correct? Mm -hmm. And how do we know that the sources of information that, we're, that we are using are correct? Um, and then heuristics is the, the, the shortcuts, the rules of thumb. If you're not going to go and spend 100 hours right. doing your personal research on vaccination and the backstory, where do you turn to? What are your heuristics for going to people? Do you, do you turn to who, who are the who are the journalists that you read? Who are the scientists that you go to? Mm -hmm. uh, who are the podcasts that you listen to? And why those people? Why do you give them a certain degree of credibility? How have they proven themselves right. in the past? What's their track record? Um, it's like when we get to this thing about um, uh, did the Russians leak? the Clinton emails to Julian Assange. Mm -hmm. People say, well, um, Mueller says they did, and I trust Mueller. Mm -hmm. uh, Assange says it wasn't the Russians. So who are you going to trust? Look, I don't know who's correct. Um, I'm still neutral on this because I don't have any evidence either way. But, okay, okay so Mueller's getting his information. Mueller's the ex-head of the FBI. And he's getting his information from the FBI, I assume, an intelligence agency. Right. So I ask myself, do have do intelligent you American intelligence agencies have a track record of lying to me about things? <laughs> Ow, and hurts. I go, yes, yes, they yes, do. they do. <laughs> is is it in fact their business model to lie to me? Is it their stated intent to create disinformation? Right. Yes, it is. That's actually what they do. Disinformation is one of the tools of <laughs> intelligence agencies. Right. They're quite. They're very good at it. They're practiced in the art of disinformation, and they have a track of lying and getting caught out on it. All right. So then I look at Julian Assange. What's Julian Assange's business model? Well, it's to publish information to protect his sources, and. What's his track record like? Well, as far as I'm aware, it's 100%. Everything that he's published and his account of where it came from, or didn't. now he normally doesn't talk about where it comes from because he tries to protect his sources, mm -hmm. but just his general track record of speaking the truth about the information that he publishes, I'm not getting into the rape allegations. Right. Interesting, though, that he's been out of the uh, he's been out of the uh, fucking embassy for a couple of weeks, and he's not in Sweden up on rape charges. Just pointing that out. Right. But uh, there's no mention of them resurrecting the rape mm. charges, as far as I'm aware. Um, but uh, just talking about what he published, the WikiLeaks side of things, not his personal life, the WikiLeaks person side of things. Hundred percent track record, as far as I know. So I, I'm gonna I'm still neutral. 
on where it came from. But if I have to say who has the most credibility about this sort of thing, it's not intelligence agencies or Robert Mueller representing the information of the intelligence agencies, right? It's Julian Assange. So you go to where your sources are. Now, I would hope that people would turn to us, well, me mostly, um, (laughs) on this show. I think, (laughs) I don't know. But I, th- I would like to think that some people think, yeah, well, you know, Cam Cam does his homework and he seems sound. A lot of people, though, you know, on Facebook go <laughs> on the Muller thing and, and 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 the bar thing. You know, I've had people say, you know, f- for a really smart person, that's a really dumb thing oh, that I said. Right. And I like to say, well, let's stop for a minute. If I am a really smart person, maybe it's not dumb. Maybe it is smart, and maybe you're dumb. Have you ever thought about that for a second? If you acknowledge that I'm a really smart person and I'm usually right, hmm, maybe I'm right this time and you're an idiot. Have a think about that. Uh, have a think and get back to me. Yeah. Oh, by the way, just a general chip, uh, tip. I don't have to say it because people listening to this, I listen to this, but I've had people try to debate me on stuff that we've done shows about on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I go, have you listened to the podcast that we did on this? And they go, no, not yet. I'm like, well, why the fuck are you even talking to me? That's right. Like, go listen to the podcasts. I spend a lot of time and effort on those podcasts. I'm not here for... I don't care what your opinion is. I care about the facts. I've talked about the facts. Go listen to the podcast. Don't try and engage me in a debate if you haven't listened to the podcasts. Yeah. That's a good ground rule. shut somebody down over Venezuela yesterday. One of our listeners of our history podcasts was uh, trying to debate me about Venezuela. I said, have you listened to our podcast on Venezuela? He goes, no, I haven't. I go, well, fucking shut up then. Stop talking to me. Go listen to that. I'm not interested in what you think. Go listen to the podcast. And then if you want to debate the facts as I presented them in the podcast, great. Come and tell me. I'm always open to people giving me better facts. Mm-hmm. But don't come and tell me what your opinion is because I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't care about he your really, opinion. He really does I don't care about your opinion on Venezuela. I don't care about your opinion on Mueller or Barr or Assange or this or that or the other. I care about the facts. Show me evidence. I don't give a shit. Okay, we can discuss the interpretation of the evidence. I'm totally open to that. I don't care about your opinion. Yeah, don't I come care about me. facts. Right. Facts and interpretation of facts. Right. Feel better now? You got that off your chest? Yeah, thank you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Feel much better. <laughs> I was just thinking we could have, based on what you just said, we could have the same um, series of uh, episodes where we could just change vaccines for um, for climate change, and it would all pretty much amount to the same thing. Just heuristics yeah. and, Yeah. Yeah, and people reading half a line of a of a blog article about a scientific report and making it make, coming to a conclusion based on that exactly, rather than saying, okay, well, I'll, I'll dig out the article and I will carefully read it, and then I'll run it past somebody who I think is really smart but usually disagrees with me on things, and see what they come to is what conclusion they come. To. Sorry, Fox just walked in here. No worries. Okay, I'm just wrapping up. Hold on. Um, Anyway, uh, rant over. Um, <laughs> that's the end of our anti-vax miniseries. Waste of time yeah. doing it. But just, you know, epistemology and heuristics, I think. Was it, was it, I think it was worth the exercise Absolutely. just to think more about that and get people to talk more about that. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, we'll be back, I guess, next week probably with a news show. Uh, we may talk about the Bar Muller thing. I don't know. Whatever's going on. 
um, the the attempted coup in Venezuela this week. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you, buddy. Peace out. Thank you. Thank you for letting me rant. Sure.